This is Sean Clark, head football coach of App State Mountaineers, and you're listening to the Fun Boat Podcast. If you didn't know before, now you know why they call this the Fun Belt. Very excited about the Sun Belt. You know, while other conferences have been breaking up, our conference has become stronger. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history. I saw Fun Belt Conference, and I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I got to join the show. It sounds a lot of fun. Welcome back, Fun Belt Podcast. A member of the Believe Network, and you've got to believe in the Sun Belt, right? Sun Belt off to a blistering hot start in the bowl. Oh, wait. No, we're off to a horrible start in bowl play. One and three. Just ODU just losing to the killers of the Sun Belt in postseason play. Western Kentucky. They beat Appalachian State. They beat ODU. I forget the other team that they just beat. Oh, South Alabama. It's like they just cr- they just want a lunch on the Sun Belt night and day. With me is Dusty Thibodeau from the Warhawk Report. And also with me, Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. Gentlemen, how do we cope with all this losing? Uh, drinking. <laughs> So bear in mind, guys, it's a lot of six and six teams losing, right? The only team that wasn't six and six has played so far has been Appalachian State, and they took care of business, right? So we got the one win. We got our kind of mediocre teams kind of playing maybe what they're supposed to be playing kind of mediocrely, you know, and as advertised, the Western Kentucky versus ODU game was sufficiently weird. The famous toastery bowl was sufficiently weird. Shane, you saw every bit of that, right? Uh, Not every bit of it, but I watched some of the meltdown (laughs) in progress. I I missed the good part for ODU. What, 28 to zero in the first quarter? Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty good. And you 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 could just feel the confidence from ODU fans on social media as they were witnessing what they thought was going to be this massive beat of Western Kentucky, and nothing. We get no win. We get the L instead. It, it was rough. It was a tough time for the Monarchs to continue their trend of not being able to hold on to big leads in games this year. I don't know what that says about ODU. I mean, it says that they have some talent to be able to get ahead of pretty decent teams, but they just did not finish games this season. It, it was it was tough. Yeah, so you know, they I think the the Western Kentucky, yeah, they didn't have Austin. What was it? Reed is that his name? The their starting yeah, the, the QB. Yeah, they didn't have him. They, they started off with some other guy. He wasn't doing well. They end up going with the third stringer, Caden Veltkemp. He goes forty for fifty two guys. 383 yards and five touchdowns. <laughs> Just another day of being a Western Kentucky quarterback there. Yeah. That's Did the- you hear the story about this guy? No. He, he's he's in the transfer portal right now. Oh, that's right. And <laughs> I didn't hear that. He, they have been – Western Kentucky had been asking him to come back if he was willing to switch to tight end. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then he comes in there and does that today. Here, here's where's your tight end right here. Here's five yeah. passes that passing that. I think I think they might let him keep playing quarterback if he wants to. What do you think? <laughs> My God, what, what are you gonna say? Yeah, okay, get ready to get ready to for tight end school. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go back to the beginning. Dusty, help us out. First game of the of of the of the bowl season for us for the Sun Belt it was a ten o'clock game on Saturday, right? Georgia Southern versus Ohio, and Georgia Southern could not stop the third down from the Bob Ohio Bobcats. Did you see any of this game, Dusty? I did. I was live in the Caesars Superdome prepping <laughs> for the New Orleans Bowl, the second Sunbelt Conference game, and had my iPad rocking that game and preparing me for heartbreak and letdown of Sunbelt Conference action as – Davis Brin did Davis Brin things and just if you had hands you were open and he was getting the ball to you. Here's all right. There's a couple things I noticed about that game, guys. One was of course Davis Brin doing what Davis Brin loves to do, and that's throw interceptions. And two, Matt, were those announcers for that game a little bit jacked up? I mean, they were just happy to be at the Myrtle Beach Bowl. They were bubbly. They talked about being at the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum about 100 times. I mean, it was like almost like they were doing a promo for Myrtle Beach just as much as they were calling the game. Am I the only one who noticed this? No, they had the tie-dye shirts and sunglasses on yes. everywhere, too, riding the Ferris wheel. I thought they were going to call the game from the Ferris wheel. Yeah, it's like they almost they were almost more concerned about their locale than about the game. And maybe they should have been because I there, there was something about you know Georgia Southern. We we've watched them collapse, right? They get to that sixth win and then they lose like four straight. They couldn't get it together. You know, I I our friends from Georgia State were kind of kind of gleefully watching this happen. And it was just kind of a, a just sort of a, 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 a I don't know, a good look at how the whole season went. Defense, you know, nothing going on on defense. Offensively, Davis Brin just not the guy. What do you? How do you think uh, Georgia Southern responds after this sort of revealing loss? What do they do to 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 sort of right that ship again, Shane? I think it all depends on who they get to be their next quarterback. I, yeah. I mean, I think when you look at what Kyle Van Trees did there. Yes. And the success he was able to have, they must have built up around that quarterback position to be almost as good this year, despite the fact Davis Brin was just racking up interception after interception. <laughs> you know, like wow. I, I feel like if they get that, maybe this is the way Georgia Southern is going to be in the Clay Helton era is if they hit on the transfer quarterback, they're going to be pretty good. And if they don't, it could be like a, up and down season for them. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that roster. I don't know if they've been sort of preparing some homegrown guys, some 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 freshmen, the, the sophomore guys in Clay Hilton's time. I, I, or is it the plan just, hey, who's going to be the hottest quarterback we can pick up off the, the off the transfer wire? I don't know. I just don't feel like that's a great long term plan. I, I mean, according to the Georgia Southern fans, the the fixes to get rid of Helton and uh, Binko and everyone else in the athletic staff. I don't really know what that buys you, but hey, I guess if you clean house, maybe things will be better next year, but I highly doubt that. 
that same day, that same day, guys, I I, I just want to let you know it's going to be dark days for Georgia Southern. Same day Georgia Southern loses in basketball. I think they go to 0-11, right? Yeah, I I don't know if it's time to get rid of Clay Helton football wise. I, I think you know he, he's he's doing some stuff. He's he's trying to establish something there and give him give him some time, give him a few years. But it is not it's not the best time in Georgia Southern athletic history no. right now. First no. time in a long time they've had three straight losing seasons. And last time it happened, they shut the program down for a few decades, I heard. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, 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 you know, 0-11 in basketball, the baseball was a little disappointing last year yeah, after high really. expectations. Like, yeah. I mean, I can understand why the Georgia Southern fans are not happy right now. I don't know if that means no, clean that's... house in the athletic department, but it, it's a tough time. That's, that's It's so irrational, though. When, yeah. when you talk about... Hey, let's just fire everybody because we can't win. No, that's, yeah. I mean, if that's the case, ULM would be a revolving door of administrators because they just haven't been able to get it done. I think that also, it, it, it's not just Georgia Southern, by the way. I mean, I heard the same thing on Saturday, Sunday, and even today from the Louisiana Lafayette contingency that the Zormo can't win more than six games. It's back to back years of losing bowl games. Maggard's just money hungry and and he just wants to stick around long enough for this new stadium to be built. I mean, it's shit happens for lack of a better term. And and you cannot control what's gonna happen. We talked about last episode that Jacksonville State was so hungry for them to be in their first year at FBS, first year, first time going to a bowl game. Rich Rod trying to prove that he could write the ship and build a program from scratch, essentially that the Gamecocks were going to come in and win the game. And so I think Louisiana Lafayette had a great defensive game. What was it? Three turnovers, four turnovers, including a fumble return and a pick oh, yeah. six for, uh, you know, three only the second time. In, yeah, three defensive second time yeah. in FBS bowl history where a player had a fumble return for a touchdown and a pick in the same game. I mean, we're talking about historic stuff, and it just wasn't enough because of a field goal. Yeah, and not only that, that Zion Chris not available to play in the game. They're down to their third string uh, quarterback, be, albeit a pretty good one in Chandler Field, but still your third string quarterback. Uh, yeah, and uh, <laughs> that was one of those interestingly wacky games, guys. Uh, the New Orleans Bowl in New Orleans, the uh, one of those bowls that 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 Louisiana certainly felt at home, had the home crowd cooking, had been there before, had Jacksonville State come in. Those guys were hungry. You know what surprised me, Dusty? No, knowing how those the Jack State was such a good running team, I didn't feel like they ran that well against the Cajuns. Yeah, they really didn't. Uh, with that said, though, it was their running back that wound up getting the um... – MVP honors for the New Orleans Bowl, getting the nice, cool, custom-designed helmet there. But, you know, Mike DeZormo really had a lot of great things to say after the game. Um, I know a lot of people are really down on him, but that's a guy that gets it. You know, one thing that I didn't really mention when we were talking about that uh, season finale they beat up on ULM to get bowl eligible to begin with, you know, he was he was pretty emotional in that post-game press conference talking about all the seniors that were graduating that year and how it's it's always a story about the kids going across the field. The guy that 
How did he get to be a D1 athlete? How did he get to this point in his career? You know, what, what did he struggle with when he was in college? How did he grow and mature to become the man that he's leaving that university as? And, and DeZormo gets it because that's the big picture of what you're really trying to do with athletics. And he had a lot of, of the similar things to say after that bowl game as well. So kudos to him. Yes, it sucks to lose a bowl game. It sucks to have lost two in a row. But guess what? You're still in the dance. You're still there. Fans need to relish the moments, as you said, Jeremy, and, and just get ready for 2024 and, and trying to win the West. And Dustin, you're right about one thing. In in the Sun Belt or in, in just in, up at this level, you can't just be great every year. You're going to go through trials and tribulations. You're going to bear the slings and arrows of losing seasons. And you just have to be, have to, as a fan base, you have to not you don't have to accept it because it's hard to accept, but you've got to bear with it too. You can't be like just calling for firings and losing patience in year two, like they're losing patience with Clay Helton. Georgia Southern is having the year they were supposed to have last year. <laughs> you know, they had a great year before, you know, just kind of flip-flopped on them. So yeah, fans need to be patient. This is big boy football. This is big boy athletics. Sometimes your baseball team's going to suffer. Sometimes your basketball team's going to suffer. Sometimes they suffer all at once. Or in the case of JMU, Shane, sometimes they do well all at once. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> at JMU, I, I never expected to have a year like JMU is having that to be covering all these teams winning at once. And like, I'm not expecting to have it again, uh, you know, honestly, to have it to this level. I and, you, if you get a dip, I mean, the fans are going to be like, what's going on? How is this happening? This isn't the JMU way. So, yeah, be, yeah. be ready for that, Shane. You're going to have to you're going to have to to help out those fans when that day happens. Yeah. I, unless you're, you know, like, you know, you've won your Pulitzer and you've moved on to bigger things. But we we suspect you'll always be a JMU guy. So. All right, guys, did you watch this Cure Bowl, this avocado, Mexico avocado Cure Bowl in Orlando? Did you check this out? I, I, I watched the highlight package to watch the many, 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 many fumbles and the absolute just mess of a game. It was the soggiest game I think I've ever seen. Just a constant, not just like a light sprinkle, just a constant downpour. The logo in the middle of the field was just like cream cheese and applesauce smeared onto the onto the grass. You know, every ball that landed on the turf made a splash. Everybody, nobody looked miserable. Everybody seemed to be having a good time. But man, what a gross game. And then like kind of a gross score <laughs> at the end. Although Appalachian State comes away with the win, a great win. Uh, for the Mountaineers, you know, they come away, um, you know, with that kind of slow start, and then they picked it up, and then they, you know, second second fiddle to to Troy this year in the Sun Belt, but a pretty good season, I think, for the Mountaineers. Wouldn't you agree, Shane? I agree, and that's a you know that's a good win. I mean, that's a they finished strong with a couple of good wins, and you know, lost to a good Troy team in a Sun Belt championship game, but. You know, when you're finishing the season, you're in your last few games with beating a couple of 11 win teams. That yeah. that's that's a good way to finish. And you know, we're we, we talk about how weird the 
the um, ODU and uh, Louisiana games ended, I think we'd be feeling much, much different about the Sun Belt's bowl start if one of those teams just pulled it out. And it would be because this is a really, really good win for App, like to beat the MAC champion and yeah. and I to finish we, strong. I think we all agreed Ohio was going to be was going to be a good team coming in, and they were. They played some great defense. Uh, it was a good, hard nosed battle to watch, and the Mountaineers were in step with those guys. So I guess I guess kind of what Shane is is I don't know if this is what you meant to imply, Shane, but we talked about this a little bit off off. <laughs> Off camera, off radio, off microphone. <laughs> uh, that so far it's been mostly six and six teams from the Sun Belt playing, right? Teams yeah. that sort of squeaked in there, got in there, and quite frankly, played pretty well. Uh, in c- considering the records that they have, yes, it was disappointing that the Cajuns couldn't come out with that win against Jack State, and yes, it was disappointing that uh, ODU. <laughs> Could not maintain a twenty-eight to zero, and then at one point I think a thirty-five to fourteen advantage. Thirty-five fourteen going into the fourth, which I, it might even be worse than the twenty-eight to zero in the first half. Yeah, I mean that's that's an epic collapse right there, and yeah. they, they probably need somebody needs to kind of figure out what's going on. You're right, ODU. I think it's it's been pegged for at least now four uh epic losses after having big leads this season you know you win those four games i mean they're a 10 win team so you know it seems like odu is either close to something magical or or they're they're they've got something seriously wrong so we still did we not call that ODU West Kentucky game being the weird game that it was turned oh, out to yeah. be. Oh yeah, yeah. We knew it was going to be weird. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was deliciously weird. <laughs> so good. Good for us as fans. We got to watch the weirdness. Not so good for ODU. The Monarchists, our friends, the Monarchists were pretty depressed by the end of the game. So, you know, maybe do a wellness check on those guys tonight. I'm sure they're pretty upset. But, but for the rest of us, it was just kind of entertaining to watch. At least. You know, our own teams. I mean, Shane, you still have a team about to play. You're probably still pe- being pretty good. I got a team that's about to yeah. play. And Dusty's got a – I don't know. Dusty's, Dusty doesn't have that team. Yeah. Jeremy, I hope your team gets blown out by a 1,000. <laughs> uh, speaking of the Warhawks, the Warhawks, JMU, and now Troy. New coaches. Troy announced their new coach today. It was a Notre Dame assistant. Uh, Parker, what's his name? Jared. Jared Jared. Jared Parker, offensive coordinator for Notre Dame, which I thought was kind of flashy. Anytime you take a guy from Notre Dame, you know, it just seems it doesn't matter if the, <laughs> the offense at Notre Dame was good or bad. It's like, hey, we got a guy from Notre Dame. Pretty good hire, you guys. What do you think? Dusty Shane, A, B, C, D. Uh, go ahead Shane and I I don't know I think the jury's still out I mean I think give give Troy credit to knowing what's worked for them in the past like they kind of go into the same well the Kentucky guy successful coordinator at a big time school and you know that's worked for them in the past they're going to the same place he's got the ties to Neil Brown to to John Sumrall We'll see if it works again. I 
I saw some of the Notre Dame fans kind of maybe a little bit happy that uh, they got rid of him. So I don't <laughs> know what that means. <laughs> but that happens. That happens at, at almost yeah. everywhere. Like so, we'll see. I mean, like I said, I think it's just jury still out, and we'll find out if he can kind of just keep doing what Summerall did there. Dusty, is this going to be a Summerall hire, or is it going to be more like uh, oh, his name suddenly escapes me. The the guy before Summerall that that's a chip. Chip, um, Chip Lindsay. Yeah. Everybody's favorite <laughs> tenure at Troy. I, yeah. I, I think that, I mean, when John Summerall came in, I don't know if there was really excitement about it. It was kind of like, ah, we got a guy yeah, from well, Kentucky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I feel like it's kind of that same way. There's nothing really exciting about the hire other than, you know, kind of like you pointed out, Jeremy, uh, you're hiring the offensive coordinator from Notre Dame. Hooray. Whoa. Hooray. But, <laughs> I think once you kind of start peeling back the layers of it, I think it's a good hire and a good fit. Um, Summerall came out, of course, with his good coach speak of, you know, we played together at Kentucky. Neil Brown and him and I are, are, are close-knit, similar-minded. So at least on paper, it looks like kind of a status quo that it, it's really no different than if Summerall would have hung out for another year, which I think is great. But now we got to kind of see what happens because this Troy roster – took some hits from graduation and transfers as well of what can he do to make sure that the Trojans stay atop the West? Yeah. Signing day coming up on the 20th, which I think is Wednesday. Wednesday. So uh, who knows how that's going to work out? Maybe, maybe he pulls out some, some flashy transfer guys from Notre Dame. You never know. All right. So, so kind of the same vein, in my opinion, James Madison pulls out Bob Chesney. From uh, right, no, right. I'm scratching Bob, my head. Is it Bob Chesney? It's right. It's Bob That's Chesney. Name. Yeah. Yeah, from Holy Cross, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, okay. Shane or uh, Dusty's probably scratching his head because, you know, Holy Cross isn't like a household name in the South, like that one where we're from. Like if it were like a like a Lamar or somebody like that, we'd be oh yeah, Lamar. Holy Cross is 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 kind of the same. It might be I maybe the same for for in that neck of the woods, sort of a, a great a good team that's out there. We don't know why Bob Chesney. Well, I mean, Holy Cross had won, I think, six Patriot League titles in their history mm-hmm. before Bob Chesney got there. Oh, okay. He won five in a row the last five years. Nice. Okay, um, so he's a pedigree. He's a guy. Years. He's a guy who's won. Everywhere he's been, he he started D three, um, Salve Regina, I think it's the name of the school up there in New England. He's there. He moved up to Division two Assumption, one big there, got the job at Holy Cross, and they were I think twelve and one in two thousand twenty two. Um, not quite as good this past season, but he's he's putting guys in the NFL from Holy Cross. He. Ooh. He's winning at Holy Cross, which is not something they've done a lot historically. Um, so I think it's I think it's a good hire. I mean, I think he's a guy who's impressed everywhere he's been. He's never coached at the FBS level, even as an assistant. I think it's probably the one knock people are going to have on him. We'll see if he see what he's learned, I guess, from people that he's known in the industry and stuff about what it takes to be a head coach at the FBS level, but you can't really knock his resume as far as being a winner everywhere he's gone. 
So kind of in the same vein of, of, of sort of being a little bit of a mystery, ULM hires Brian Vincent. Dusty, who is this guy? Where does he come from? And it sounds to me like maybe he's doing a pretty good job of signing some players for for Wednesday. He has been hammering the JUCO ranks for <laughs> maybe the quick fix. Yeah, okay. but a lot of good talent that is kind of the non-traditional this day and age where everything's portal, portal, portal. He's getting the guys that are going to be there for two, maybe even three years, which is mm-hmm. giving you the immediate fix and in, in the foundation to continue to build in years two and beyond. Bryant Vincent, though, he was the offensive coordinator last year at New Mexico. They were a top 50 offense in the NCAA, better than Texas A&M, better than Alabama, Ole Miss, Arkansas State, wow. and several other powerhouse <laughs> programs throughout the, the nation. Before that, he was the offensive coordinator and interim head coach at UAB when Bill Clark decided to retire due to back issues, led up to a bowl game. So what more could you want than having a guy that knows how to run an offense that's going to be exciting, fun, and knows how to really build a program from scratch, having had to go through that exercise at UAB um, after they closed closed the doors and restarted football. So it sounds to me that ULM and JMU just pick guys that just know how to win. You know, guys that just have been there before, know what it feels like to be a champion, knows what it takes to win games, brought them in and said, this is what we you, we want from we want you to do the same thing you've been doing at your old places. Come down and give us some of that magic. I think James, I think that's hope. A, <laughs> I think James, you picked a coach because he had a tattoo that was purple. They're purple. It was a good fit. <laughs> Holy cross! Maybe there's some religion uh, aspect to it. Maybe like connections with the big man upstairs. There might be. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> maybe Bob Cousy's gonna bring some of that magic down. All right. Talk speaking of magic, I don't know if there's been a whole lot of magic this year for Sunbelt basketball. We're winding down the out of conference. And there's been some some good wins, some good stories, right? You know, starting with JMU and their big win against Michigan State, although Michigan State seems to be having a lot of problems right now. But JMU still continuing to be a ranked Sunbelt team. Dusty, I you know what? I I yeah, I know the Sunbelt has been playing basketball since the 70s, right? I'm sure yes. we've had ranked teams before, but in the modern age of the Sunbelt, never had a ranked basketball team. In the AP, and that's really cool that JMU doing that. I tell you I what, don't think the, that's true. I thought uh, Western Kentucky broke just inside the top twenty-five at one point. Yeah, in time. I think that sounds like something Western Kentucky would do. Okay, well we should look back on that because Hilltoppers had some really good basketball teams back in the zero or early zeros and the two thousand tens and that kind of thing. But Shane, do you worry a little bit that James Madison's schedule? has not built up enough uh, net steam to sus- to sustain itself through a Sunbelt conference schedule that's looking to be maybe not as strong as it could be. It's, we'll see. I mean, they're, JMU is about to 
they're in the middle of a stretch too. That's not going to help their strength of schedule. I mean, they were, you look at Ken Palm where, you know, the way they list the strength of schedule is pretty easy to kind of tell. Like if you're in the plus, you're above average. And if you're minus, you know, 1.2 or whatever, you got a below average schedule. And then, you know, Uh there's teams that are teams that are around 10. There's teams that are around negative 10. And then, um, Jimmy was kind of at the above average level for a long time until these last week (laughs) or so. And now they're playing a bunch of, you know, sub 300 teams. Mm. It's not going to help them. It's not going to help that they've got, you know, frankly, Georgia Southern twice ahead of them. (laughs) It's not going to help, but, but you do also kind of look at it as much, as much as Michigan state's lost some games, they've lost games to really good teams. They just beat a really good Baylor team. Michigan State's Ooh, probably, yeah. Michigan State's probably still going to be a tier one type of victory by the time the season's over. Okay, right now, now, right now, App State is a quad one type of win. And if you can go down to Boone and beat them, and the same for same for App State, if they're kind of in the mix here as a top fifty team, they've got two good games on their schedule against JMU. Both of those teams should probably get a couple of solid games in the Mac challenge. And I mean, if we're talking about, you know, JMU, I said this on the radio earlier today, JMU fans should be rooting like as much for J as much as they root for JMU should be rooting almost as much for Kent state. Cause <laughs> Kent state right now is a kind of, you know, right around 100, but they're hard to beat at home. I could see them getting to be in that top 75 region. You get a road. They've already got Jamie's already got a road win at Kent state. If they got Kent state again at home as a top 75 ish team, I think that could really boost the strength of schedule and the number of like quality wins we're talking about. Cause I think that's what, that's what these Sunbelt teams that are kind of in the mix right now are going to need. They're not going to have a top 20 strength of schedule. But if they can say, hey, we've at least got, you know, four or five real solid wins, quality wins, I think that's what's going to boost them towards the end of the season. All right. Well, let me share with you this. Let me let me tell you about a team that isn't undefeated. They're actually eight and two. They have two losses, but they have wins against Missouri. They have a win against Michigan. They have three top 20 wins, one against Arkansas one against Texas A&M, and one against Clemson. And they're ranked just beneath JMU. And that team are the Memphis Tigers, which I thought was a little funny that the Memphis Tigers are struggling (laughs) to get in the AP Top 25. But the reason why I bring that up, Shane, is because they're kind of in the same straits. You look at the American this year in terms of basketball, it's not very good once you get past Florida Atlantic. So, yeah, I, I'm kind of wondering if teams like Memphis and JMU, once they get into conference play, are they going to sort of, I don't know, whittle out or not? I don't know. I'm not I'm not even used to to monitoring something like this because the Sun Belt just hasn't been in this position in a while. Yeah, and I think the tough thing, too, for the Sun Belt is we, we know it's hard to win conference games on the road and i mean and you're looking at like you know southern miss for instance 
they've they've struggled to start the season. They're getting Andre Curbelo back. They're going to be a different team by February. That's going to be a really tough road game for JMU in Hattiesburg. And I don't think they're going to get credit for that being a tough road game based on like the entire schedule. And, you know, that's what's tough for some of these teams in these conferences when, when they get into it is they're going to get knocked for losing conference games and, and nobody goes undefeated in their conference. Even, even in their bad, in a bad conference, nobody goes undefeated in conference. Absolutely. Southern Miss, by the way, won their game 82 79 over Lamar today. So good for them. So we were talking a little bit about Appalachian State, Dusty, and they had that big win against Auburn. And they're a top, what would you say, a top 50 net team right now? I think they're a top 50 team. And then, you know, after that, it gets a little more convoluted. I think the Cajuns are kind of up there, and there's a couple other teams up there. Dusty, who have you seen out of conference so far that you think, okay, these guys could be contenders Throwing out JMU and throwing out Appalachian State. That's it. I mean, and I'd say it legitimately. I I think that as much as we wanted the league to be pretty competitive through and through, yeah, it's very top heavy. It's it's JMU's kind of the gold standard. App State, I think, has has risen to be in that number two slot, and then you could put just about everybody, but Georgia Southern, ULM. Marshall, Coastal, everyone else is kind of right there in the middle. And I, I think the teams that I named there are, are probably in the lower half of the league. But everyone else, any given day, it, it they're one and the same. Yeah, I'm looking at the net rank. First of all, before I start looking at the net rankings, do you guys consider net rankings – to be a good indicator of a team's ability or are you more like a Ken Palm kind of person? I kind of mix and match a little bit, especially at this point in the season. Ken Palm still is still kind of factors in preseason expectations to their Mm -hmm. thing. Net doesn't at all at this point. Um, so the first, the, when the first net rankings come out, there's always something really weird because like, it's just, <laughs> yeah. there's just not enough data. And I think we're getting more and more to where net starting to match up with the other rankings. And by, you know, the middle of January, I think net starts to make a little bit more sense. There's still flaws in it. You know, you get rewarded for beating up on bad teams, mm-hmm. but, but I mean, I think, eventually the net starts to kind of tell you something and it's what they use. So it's kind of important to look at it. So the only two Sunbelt teams with a quad one win are James Madison and app state. I will say that, um, you know, that, that, that James Madison is five and zero against the quad four. <laughs> so it's Appalachian <laughs> state. In fact, uh, Appalachian state, uh, James Madison, and Arkansas State have played a great deal of many quad four teams. But I, I don't never even understand what that means, to tell you the truth. I mean, especially at, at I guess you have to look at that at the end of the year. But yeah, you guys are right. Is there is there a team that's kind of disappointing, Dusty, that you're looking at and going, God, they, they should have been better? Like Southern Miss, for instance, kind of comes to mind right now. You know, they, they won tonight, but 
they haven't really been that good. Yeah, I mean, I I expect a little bit more maybe out of Louisiana Lafayette because short of Jordan Brown, they had largely the same roster coming back. So I thought that they would be a little bit more uh, higher end than what they've been. I didn't think Georgia Southern would be just kind of roadkill dead like they are right now. I mean, I know that it's a first-year head coach. They had a little bit of turnover on the roster, but they weren't this bad last year to warrant firing the coach. Yeah, they really weren't. I, I I still scratching my head at that move a little bit, and maybe maybe the long term plan is there, but it does it doesn't look great to have made that move and then you lose Levin to start the season. But but yeah, I mean to me disappointing. Uh, you know, yeah, Louisiana a little bit. I mean they've been close to winning a couple of games that would maybe put them. You know, just a notch below App State if they'd have won a couple like like at McNeese State, that'd have been a really good win if they could have pulled that out the other night. Um, I think Marshall's a little disappointing to me so far. Mm-hmm. Um, Old Dominion too. Like I didn't wasn't expecting them to be great, but I I've been a little disappointed they're not like more average. I guess you'd say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So net, you know, they they don't count certain games, right? So, but if so, if you count all the games, there's only a handful of teams that are even above 500 right now. And that would be the Bobcats, the Golden Eagles, the Jags, the Cajuns, Dukes and Mountaineers. Trojans are at five and five. Everybody else sub 500 going into the season. Did we, we kind of thought, and I, I know you had big hopes, uh, Shane. I, you were talking about how the Sun Belt, uh, during the offseason, you're talking about how the Sun Belt was really poised to make that leap. Where, where are we? Where did we lose it? Is it because of NIL attrition and transfer portal attrition, or is it just kind of a, a hiccup on the way to getting better in basketball? And it might be a little bit of a hiccup, and yeah, I mean, some teams aren't as good this year as they were last year. I mean, so Southern Miss, for instance, like like I said, they played up until tonight without. Andre Cabrella, who was their big guy in the portal, who was supposed to be, you know, kind of their stud. They lost, you know, Felipe Hase, um, who I think really kind of made them go last year. So, I mean, it's a little bit of a rebuilding situation for them. But the whole point, the plan for the whole league was, hey, schedule so you can win 60% of your non-conference games. And it just hasn't happened this year like you said a lot of those teams are below 500 and the whole plan was hey finish above 500 in non-conference and that just didn't work out no all right we covered basketball we covered the bowl games we covered coaching changes we didn't cover women's basketball but i think we just need to let that percolate a little bit what else have we got dusty I really got for you. I mean, it's bowl season, so we have upcoming games that mm-hmm. are still set to be played. Marshall set to play in the Coffee Bowl. Yeah. Texas State uh, in the whatever North Texas Bowl that they're in. James <laughs> Madison, they're going to get bombed by Air Force. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it is yeah. what it is, right? And then, of course, the big one. On Christmas Eve's Eve, 
the Trojans and their new head coach taking on the the Blue Devils in Birmingham. I think that might be one of the uh, more exciting, most watched balls, but I I still like, Jeremy, your game there in Montgomery of Arkansas State and Northern Illinois. I think that's a pretty even matchup and and probably going to be a pretty good game. Yeah, that's going to be a fun game to watch. My brother and my father and I have made plans to drive down there, to chug down there in the old Jeremy Harper battle wagon, the Subaru, and spend the night in Montgomery. I think uh, they've already uh, sold out Wetzel's, the the sort of oyster bar out there. We're going to throw down us Arkansas State fans, so we're excited about the game. I think it's going to be a pretty good show out. You know, maybe I'll, uh, you know, Shane, maybe, uh, uh, Dusty, I'll take a few pictures and send them to you, like, in real time, so you could, you too can feel the excitement of what it's like to have your team at a bowl game. Please do. That would be <laughs> Don't encourage him. No. I mean, it's it's no different than Jay Walker giving him credit of, per A-State fan rules, there's 145 <laughs> players in the portal. I'm like, it's Jeremy Math. There's probably seven guys. Oh, man, it's 140 <laughs> guys. That's a lot of guys. But you know what's funny? If you look at the portal, it's, it is a lot of guys, but it's not – a whole lot of top tier guys. Now you are beginning to see Dusty, like as the bowl games are over. Like today, it was like Georgia Southern Day. Like guys coming out of Georgia Southern, they were pounding it. There's a few from Louisiana that came in. So it, it's like once the bowl games are over, I think we're going to see, you know, more 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 people coming through. So it's going to be wild. It's going to be it's going to be nutty. I like it. I like it almost as much as plug promos and okay. parting shots. Shane, since you wouldn't do the intro to call you out, <laughs> what do you have for your plug promo and parting shot? Parting shot. Let's talk about, I mean, there's so much going on in the NCAA that I don't know if they're ever going to be able to fix. But so much of what's happening in college football right now could be fixed pretty easily by just adjusting the college football calendar so that we don't have the postseason and the off season happening at the exact same time. Why do we have the transfer portal and signing day and all this stuff happening while the bowl games are still going on? So that coaches are encouraged to leave before their season's over. Players are encouraged to leave before their seasons are over. Like, and they have basically no choice but to leave before their seasons are over. Why doesn't the portal and the signing period all begin two weeks after the season ends? Why does it have to happen in December? Why can't that wait till after the New Year's? It seems like like this is a problem that a strong organization, like an organization that was in charge of all the rules and the scheduling and all the team stuff. If only we had that organization that was strong and could make decisions and not get shit on all the time. What would that organization be? What would we call it? Maybe uh, the NCAA? I I don't know. Something like that? I mean, could you imagine if Major League Baseball had their free agency period between between the uh, 
division playoffs in the World that's Series. Like, yeah, that's what college football does. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, this is so stupid. We should be the commissioner of of college football. The three of us, we could be the troika. We could we could handle that. <laughs> no, I don't want that job. Okay. Jeremy, what do you have for us? All right, guys, it's Christmas time. Yeah, you know, this is the time of the year where my family we 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 kind of watch the same menu of Christmas movies, you know, like Scrooge or Elf or How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I mean, we got like a, a like a you know like a, a small but 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 handy go to pile of movies that we see every year as a family. I my my question is to you guys. Is there a Christmas movie out there that everybody loves but you can't stand? And I'll start with you, Dusty. A Christmas movie everyone loves, everybody says it's great, but you personally cannot stand. You are a Scrooge and a Grinch about. I've never seen Home Alone, but I know everyone talks about that being a Christmas movie. Okay. <laughs> I, I've, I've never seen Die Hard, which they say is another Christmas movie. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I got nothing for you really there, Jeremy. Who the hell are you? Are you? Do you live in Soviet <laughs> Russia? <laughs> You've never seen Die Hard? You've never seen Home Alone? <laughs> it happens. Wow. How? <laughs> I mean, how do you just not absorb it by osmosis? That's what I want to know. That's kind of crazy. All right, Shane, I'm going to throw it to you, and hopefully I get a normal answer. Uh, I'll try to figure it out. I, I'm not big on Christmas movies in general. I do like Die Hard. Okay. I do like Trading Places. You count that as a Christmas movie? Yeah, sure. That's Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, my kids have been watching one that's like, I think a Netflix movie from a couple of years ago, Noel, on repeat. Uh, I'm getting a little sick of that one. It's not a bad movie, but I'm just getting sick of it. So that'll be my choice. This Will Ferrell and uh, the other guy in that Noel. I don't think I Will Ferrell's in it. Um, right. I'm another Saturday, Saturday Night Live guy's in there, and I'm okay. blanking on the name now. Well, for me, is the time-honored movie that everybody loves. Now, when I say this, when I say this word, you're probably going to know what movie I'm talking about. Fragile. <laughs> Dusty probably doesn't nope. know, has never heard of it. Nope. Hey, you know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. I hate a Christmas story. I think it is the dopiest, corniest, sorriest Christmas movie, and they play it nonstop on TNT every year. And then people quote it back at you like you've never heard it before, and they laugh their asses off. And it's the dumbest Christmas movie ever. <laughs> and I can't stand it. So, yes. There Don't get choked one. up about it. <laughs> I'm kind of losing it. Yeah, I've, I've also never seen that movie. I, I How? I mean, do you have a TV? <laughs> no. <laughs> I gave it up. Yeah. For my parting shot, uh, actually, I'm going to promo it. Uh, big tip of the cap to the New Orleans Bowl for hosting me this past week. Yes. I got to see history of Jacksonville State getting their first ever FBS win on a last-second field goal 
as a former kicker and a firm believer that special teams win games, I loved that their kicker hurt my head because he was a left-footed kicker, which is not something that should be humanly possible. Should be illegal. He should. He's be a freshman, and the sole reason that he was in the game to kick the game-winning field goal was because their place kicker said, screw you guys, y'all aren't going to a bowl, so I'm hitting the portal. <laughs> and now we have the hero of Ripa, the kicker for Jacksonville State. Yeah, that's a good story. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that. Even though it came at the expense of the Sun Belt, I think we're all big enough men. The three wise men of the Sun Belt, Jeremy, Dusty, and Shane, appreciating a good Yuletide story, even though it came from CUSA. Merry Christmas to you there, Jeremy. Merry Christmas. <laughs> and Shane, don't do anything to embarrass us while you're in Fort Worth. <laughs>